And welcome to That Horrorcast. Happy almost Halloween. On today's surprise episode of That Horrorcast, I'll be riding solo and will be doing something a little different. I won't be covering a movie, but an audio play called Ghost Faces Podcast produced by Pop-Up Theater, and I'll be joined by its stars, Amy Southwood and Scott McQuaid. Now what is Ghost Faces Podcast? I'm glad you asked. It's an original audio play following a lonely podcast host on Hollow's Eve who gets more than she asked for when she becomes a true scream queen. Based on the character created by Kevin Williamson and the performances in Wes Craven's Scream movies, this audio play captures the tension and fear of the classic slasher genre, written and directed by Scott McQuaid. Scott McQuaid is a British expat writer-director for stage, screen, and audio theater, based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. He has directed numerous plays and musicals, winning consecutive BOH Cameronian Art Awards, including the Best Director Award, and is also recognized by Malaysia Book of Records for his work. In 2016, Scott launched his own private independent theater company, Pop-Up Theater penning many black comedy plays, staging live shows and producing audio plays. He's book of three. One act plays titled Scott Forgot the Title has become a favorite among theater students. Aside from theater, he is also a filmmaker with the debut of his first indie B movie, Space Ninjas, that was released worldwide on Amazon Prime and Apple TV Plus in 2019. His second movie, The Heartsmith, is due for release next year. And most importantly, the voice behind the host in Ghostface's podcast is Amy Southwood. Amy is a British stage actress that graduated from the University of Cumbria within 2022 with a BA, Sean's acting degree. Since then, she's played the theater scene with lead roles in Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. This is Amy's first audio play and first collaboration with Pop-Up Theater. She is excited for the release of this play and looks forward to doing more work like this in the future. But never mind all of those specifics and let's cut to the chase. Here's Amy and Scott. Okay, uh, I'm Scott McQuaid. Uh, Yeah, I'm a uh, British expat that lives in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm a writer director for both stage and screen and audio plays as well. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time now. And uh, I would say I'm, I've always been on the fringe, like fringe theatre, and uh, I work in indie film, which is a really, I guess, code for just saying you're, you're always on the outside of making big money. Um, <laughs> but but um, you're working, you know, you're working and you're having fun doing it, and that's the main thing. I'm Amy Southwood and I do a bit of acting in my spare time so I have like a nine-to-five job and in the evenings I go to my little local theatre to do acting. Um, Last year I graduated from an acting course at University of Cumbria um, and then Scott asked me to do this audio play um, not too long ago and that's why I'm here right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, how did you two meet? 
Well, actually, that's the thing. We have never met. Never we have seen. not. No. Um, so, backstory, real quickly, is um, I know Amy's father. He was actually like my best friend growing up. We was at school together in uh, Essex, England, and um, yeah, we grew up together in that. And uh, as as friendships go, you know, we we were very close, and then you you go off to do your own thing, you know, once you graduate. And uh, I think we only reconnected in like about, I would say about maybe five or six years ago. And uh, he mentioned, you know, oh, you know, because you talk, you know, what have you been doing for the last 20 years and so forth? And, you know, he mentioned his family and said, uh, yeah, I've got a daughter. She does acting that. And I think she was just finishing school and then looking at going to college. So it was always in my mind uh and he said, yeah, you know, I know you do so much stuff if you ever need her and that. And, uh, yeah, so it it just come around. She was kind of, I needed an actress. Uh, and I'd kind of exhausted a lot of the ones I'd used in audio plays because the thing is with audio plays is because it is only the voice, of course you can have actors that can do many accents, but even after a while that that, that will run out. So I tend to try to get fresh actors, certainly if they're going to play a lead role, if they're just sort of coming in as a supporting role, because people identify that voice with the other character because they, you know, uh, there is no visual. So audio plays are kind of like that. Uh, yeah. And then I, I said uh, I said to her father, I said, like, oh, you know, is your daughter doing that? And he said, like, yeah, mate, I think she'd be up for that. That would be fun for her. Um, so I, I said, okay. And uh, here we are. So, so we have yet to meet, actually. <laughs> Amy's dad pimped her out. Okay. <laughs> That's really great. Very great meet cute. Um, so, Amy, did you always wanted to do anything that was related to horror, or were you just like, I want to act in all different facets? Yeah, I just love acting. So in my head, I just wanted to act in anything. I can get the opportunity um, to do. So I've done all sorts, like I've done pantomimes and more recently it's been more serious plays and this is my first audio play. Are you familiar with a lot of the movies that you're talking about in it? Um, some of them. When I was, like, probably between the ages of 13 and 15, I had a huge horror movie phase. Like, everything that I could find on Netflix or Prime or just normal telly, I'd watch, so, like, Chucky, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the Scream movies, um, Candyman, and then the cheesier ones that I think aren't as good as those, like Paranormal Activity. Um, I would just watch them all the time. But I haven't seen many horror movies recently, and this audio play has got me back into them. Yeah, I can imagine, definitely. So, Scott, what made you want to make this one? Actually, maybe give a little bit of an intro of what Ghostface podcast is okay yeah so um uh my theater company pop-up theater we do we do audio plays as well as live shows and um i i'm always looking to do something different and basically it was the the, the last screen movie scream six right um and i was watching that and i was thinking they haven't really capitalised on the podcast element because really the thing that gets us whenever we think of Scream and Ghostface, we 
you know, certainly if you're from the old school, you think of uh, um, the 1996 movie with Drew Barrymore, the opening. That's what gets us all. It's that conversation, that cat and mouse game on the phone. But, of course, that becomes a little bit more relevant as we have technology has gone on. So it still is prevalent in the new screen movies, but nowhere near as much. Um, and I thought, well, actually, podcast is a... Why haven't they hit that up? Why hasn't Ghostface sort of rung in and terrorised some podcast? That's the way I would base the next script around that, you know? And um, and that was it. I mean, I guess I, what I'm saying is that would be my pitch for a screen movie and and have the characters there and then everybody. And then I thought, um, yeah, let's, let's do something like that because we're looking to all the way through different kind of audio plays, you know, we... We do um, crime mystery ones, Sherlock Holmes ones. We do comedy and that. And then uh, we wanted to do something for Halloween. And uh, I said, well, that's the perfect thing, certainly as it's an audio um, piece. That's, you know, people's... A lot of people, the favourite... Certainly for me, the favourite parts in those screen movies is hearing Ghostface, you know, play with them on the phone and wondering when he's going to jump out and what he's done. So, yeah, that's kind of really how I come to this. So I've always been, I don't know if I'm going to say scream freak, scream obsessive, whatever. But I don't know, have you two noticed that there has actually been an extreme comeback? Not just because of the movies, but I was even seeing on TikTok because the algorithm has caught me. There's like even um, pop-up theaters that do uh, scream unauthorized musicals with like boy band songs and stuff in it. Have you noticed oh, that? No, 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 I didn't know that, no. Oh, to no. send you something. No. <laughs> There's yeah. some pretty interesting, like, a lot of spinoffs of Scream kind of things are going on right now. So I was wondering if you guys really caught up in that movement. Nah. No. Be, no, I didn't know that at all. Of course, you know, during the time when it came out, it was the scary movies. You know, that was the big spinoff, and that that's, that always plays alongside it, oh, of course. Um, but no, I haven't, no, I didn't know that at all. Or maybe, uh, maybe I released it just at the right time then. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, is, like, me, everyone is just doing it at the same time and you're all unaware of each other. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. I I, I was just, as I said, I was coming at it from a point of view of if you're going to do a horror thing, well, you can't do Michael Myers, he don't talk. You can't do Jason Boyd, he don't talk. <laughs> um, Freddy Krueger, that would be a tough one to do as it's an audio play because it relies so heavily on the visuals because you're in a dream. Um, so so it made sense that Ghostface does ring somebody and plays with them. So it was more of a, a calculated sort of move than actually just, oh, you know, there's been a revival or or Ghostface is one of my favourite sort of characters. It, it was just more of a calculate, well, who, what could we do? Uh, and that's how I come to it. Did you have any other um, very close to possibly ranking to this level would do horror movies for the audio play instead of it, since obviously you said that you couldn't do anything like Halloween or Friday the 13th. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you did. It would just it would be Amy just screaming and running everywhere, and you would just hear <laughs> blood like and stabbing. Ch -ch 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 -ch. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you just, unless you have the cheesy narrator saying, and he walked up the stairs with the large kitchen knife. You know, it would, it would quite... <laughs> it um, funny. It, yeah, certainly if I want to go for comedy, then maybe. Um, you know what? I haven't thought about it. Uh, the one we done before this... 
at the beginning of the year was a spin-off of the Watchman DC, and it was a Rorschach's journal. You know the character Rorschach in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a. It was just a. A random because again, I I liked that movie. I'm not a big superhero, but I liked that movie particularly, uh, and I liked that character. And I was like, this character should have his own sort of thing going on. Then I thought, okay, I'll, I think I'll write it. Um, I'll write something just concentrating on that character. So, yeah, I'm, we do have an idea for next year's Halloween, but it would be a virtual play. So it would certainly be worldwide again, but not an audio play. It's a virtual piece, um, which isn't working to any kind of franchise like this, working off of the Scream franchise. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it would be a horror piece. So, so yeah, maybe maybe uh, you'll be interested to see that. Oh, definitely, definitely. Horror freak over here, all for it. <laughs> so I do have to ask, you know... It, being the famous question, as you say, Amy, what's your favorite scary movie? You. No. <laughs> um, I think my favorite scary movie is The Nightmare on Elm Street. From what I remember, like watching when I was a teenager, up until now, like I'd always go back to Nightmare on Elm Street. But it's been a few years since I've seen it. How old are you, if you don't ask me? I'm, I'm 20... It's okay, I'm 23. Oh, I'm feeling old now. <laughs> yeah. He's a baby. He's a baby. <laughs> but it's, it's... Again, and what that again, it's one of the reasons I wanted age-appropriate somebody that had a younger sound and that you could, you know... Someone uh, who actually would be afraid. You know. Yeah, yeah someone who... Yeah, be... Instead of Gail Someone like myself would probably be... Like, oh. listen, asshole... <laughs> No one's won before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if he called me, I'd probably like, um, you know what, mate, you'd be doing me a favour, you know, just take me now. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, no, I wanted a, a younger sound voice and that. And she did audition, um, you know, she, I got her to send in a... It was the first part, right, Amy? It was the first part yeah. of the script. Yeah, when you're introducing yourself and what you're doing at Halloween. And... Um, and I was like, yeah, she's got the right sound. Yeah, I think people will. Well, the characters wrote in a way of she's a little bit know-it-all. So I, because I always think, certainly when it becomes a franchise, I think most horror films at the beginning, they don't know what they, you know, they don't know that it's going to spin off Friday the 13th, don't know. Certainly they didn't know that then it was going to go off and become a Jason Voorhees thing, you know, because of, the first one wasn't really about him. Um, but when it soon does become that, of course, you have the horror fans that root for Freddy or Michael Myers or, in this case, Ghostface. Um, so because we don't have uh, a lot of bodies to be killed along the way, <laughs> which they obviously it's designed in, the, in these movies, uh, you know, in the Scream Screen one, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rose McGowan, right? Definitely, we're not really meant to care about her when she dies <laughs> in the in the garage door, you know, when that's designed that way. But because I've only got one character, I kind of made her a little bit of a know it all at the beginning. So then you would be okay, oh, and sort of kind of be on, 
like, oh, she's going to get it. You know, you can hear Ghostface is he's warming up. He's going to, she's going to get. But then when it's when it actually comes to it, then the human side takes over you, and you hear her like crying and you know, panicking. And I think it's more visceral because you haven't got the imagery of that, so you are just listening to her screaming and breathing hard and, you know, being scared that you do feel a bit for her, and, that, and that's the idea. Yeah, it's more primal. So, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Amy, to prep for this, did you watch all the intros to all the Scream movies? Because obviously that plays into this a lot. Um, it does. I didn't watch all of them. I only watched the first one because oh. I was doing... I know, I'm disappointed in myself. The fourth one would have been perfect. It actually had a series of different ways that Ghostface contacted people. Oh, really? Well, I I was in the middle of doing a show, and so I was doing, like, my nine-to-five job, and then the show was then from basically from five until ten o'clock at night, so I didn't really have the time to do much research. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes... Sorry, sorry, go 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 on. No, I was just going to say, sometimes I find, certainly with actors, um, when I'm working with some, obviously it's good for them to have an idea of what the, what it's about and that. But I think if they're too, you know, if they're too much into it, uh, into the material and everything, then they can be a little bit um, persuaded by previous. And because Scream does have such a rich history of Scream Queens, they can be a bit more persuaded. So I kind of like I, I like to approach it. Because she was saying to me, well, I'm really busy, but I definitely want to do it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I kind of, yeah, I, I like that approach because it was, it was all her then, you know. There was no influence from the other movies. Now, did you have any influence from the other movies? Well, I, you know, uh, I would say I spent a month every night just listening to Roger Jackson, <laughs> you know, just uh, if people at the gym and they're listening to their playlist, I'm at the gym listening to him just talking, um, uh, you know, uh, being ghost-faced, you know, from the movies. But it, honestly, actually just listen to him do an interview and then talk about it and then slip into it because that was a lot more... Um, I, I found that a lot more... Uh, re- well, one, rewarding, but... Uh, resourceful because you could you could hear Ghostface within his own voice because after all it is his his voice to a certain extent um and that's when you start to break down the components of his intonation and things like that he's like well actually he uses that when he talks and so forth and then he switches it on and then you just go okay so he highlights that and he heightens and you you pick out the nuances in that so it was really just listening to him because, again, it is an audio thing. And as much as, you know, uh, what's the creator? Kevin Williamson and uh, and obviously Wes Craven bringing it to life. As much as they brought it to life, it's the voice. You know, without that voice, uh, I think you'd be missing a huge component there that makes him uh, so good. So it was it was all about Roger Jackson as I say, I'd seen the movies. I worked at the cinema. Uh, God, I was what, studying. I was at college studying when the first movie and the second one came out, and I was an usher there. So, yeah, that was yeah, that was before they all become complexes. It was two screens, so I watched that movie a lot because it was popular. So you're the usher sitting in there. So uh, yeah, and, and as I say, I, I think 
there's something nostalgic about it. Uh, I liked it, and I, I've watched the the new ones, you know, uh, because of that, and and still equally enjoyed them. Um, I mean, you know, I've, I've got problems with them. I don't know if everybody has. I'm sure they have some, but um, but I still man, enjoy. It. I, it's your duty to be over overly analytical. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and but I'm happy they're going on. Yeah. You know, like anything, I'm happy it's continuing. So then this generation can use that, you know, and and work off it. So yeah, uh, I would say I didn't really go back to watch the movies. I'd just work work on Roger's voice and what he would do. And yeah. I do like how you say that, like. They would not be possible without his voice because if you actually think about it, I don't know how far into Scream you've gone. They don't actually have the char- actors who are playing the characters dress up as Ghostface. It's usually just one random Ex- person. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I think it was wasn't it? I read something in the first one that the two guys that play that are the killers, the Stu Maker and the other one. Um, they they were like really wanting to, and they did get to dress up once or twice, but they said we don't know which one which take they used if it was us. And as you say, then they just got someone random most of the time. And I think I think it can be as long as you know they as long as they stand there, hold a knife, you know, because the mask and everything it does it all. So it is all about the voice. It really is. Because like you get this sense of like I have no idea who this is. This is some like crazy primal killer that's almost like superhuman, can't be shot, whatever, unless you get him in the head. But no, I mean there's just a lot of things on podcasts where people try and guess scene by scene, like who's the killer in this one? Which killer is the one that exactly. mask here? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, especially with that last movie, right? Because there were, I think, three. Right? There mm-hmm. was it was the father and his kids, right? That were the uh, playing the ghost faces. And yeah, I think I read something about well, you know, the father was killed that person and so forth. And like you just said, they were trying to break it down which person killed what, uh, which is, I guess, yeah, it can be a fun sort of exercise in that Until way. They finally um, break it whether, to you that none of them are doing it. <laughs> No, yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying, there you go. Okay. And you're like, what? I've been analyzing this for nothing? Okay, it's just Ghostface. Okay. Yeah, that's why I said I didn't do too much on that, man. I worked on the voice. So how did you do the voice? It It is just mimic. Um, as I say, all the work's been done for me. Wes obviously set it all up in the visual sense, so anybody that knows... I mean, who doesn't? But anybody who, who knows Ghostface has the visual look already. That's, you know, um, burned into their memory. They know that look. Um, so then it's about you hear that voice. Oh, you can see him. You can see him do it. So, um, yeah, it was just mimicking. It was just mimicking and uh, and trying it different ways and just breaking it down. And, uh, I, you know, I've done it with some... I'm not an actor, really. I'm, you know... I stick to writing and directing, but when it comes to audio plays, I don't know, there's a little bit more freedom uh, that I feel, maybe it's because I feel I can do certain characters, uh, so I have jumped in now and then. I'm a big Orson Welles fan, and he was obviously a great filmmaker and a great theatre director, and, of course, he started with audio theatre, so like myself, like, like him, I do it all. 
Um, and yeah, I like them kind of roll. So if if I can hear it and I think oh, I can do it, then I'll do it. But if not, no, no, I'll let, I'll let the actors do it. But this character, I thought, I think I can do this one, and I think it'll be fun to do. So it's literally as simple as that. So I'm seeing you don't just do uh, audio plays, though, right? You also make indie films and such. Yeah, I mean, I, I made. Uh, I mean, uh, my first film is uh, Space Ninjas, which is exactly what it sounds. It's, it's meant to be a B. It's a self-aware B movie, and it's a, a comedy, horror, sci-fi. What else can you throw in there? It's a bit of everything. Uh, and that's on Amazon Prime and Apple TV and that. Uh, it's got a, It's actually got Brian Narell in it from Dark Star, John Carpenter's first film. Um, yeah, he's in it. Uh, Dirk Benedict from the original A-Team and Battlestar Galactica, he's in it. But, yeah, it's, uh, so I made that, and then I'm, I've got a new film coming out next year, and yeah, it'll probably do... I don't know, it'll probably... At the very least, it'll do the same, you know. Probably get distribution by Amazon Prime or Apple. But we're hoping for more because it's a slightly bigger budget. And actually, what I can tell you in in the latest in this film that I do, as we are on a horror theme podcast here, there's a uh, it's the film is kind of a dark fairy tale, um, so it's very fantastic, very fantasy adventure like. And within those dark fairy tales, there's always some some villain, some darkness in there. And we do have a character that comes up, and he he is somewhere in between our Jason Voorhees, sort of wears a mask, big guy, and a Freddy Krueger because he's got these long claw hands. He's somewhere in the middle there. Um, but we actually, I actually cast the actor C. J. Graham, who played Jason in Jason Lives. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's he's still big. He's a big guy. <laughs> You'd have Even to, even though be. he's getting on. He's, he's yeah, he's huge and uh, yeah, he's quite menacing. Uh, and uh, of course, he was like, "Did I get to see my face this time?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I said, yeah, actually, we do." I said, there, "There's a scene where, before you turned into what you turn into, they 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 see your face." So there's a bit of a horror connection there. Definitely. I'm looking at uh, your in production. Is it the Heartsmith? That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should be mentioning the name really. To get that's all right. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Mallory. Yeah, thanks. It's for an that. audio thing um, right now. I'm just shouting out stuff. It's all cool. It's all good. Yeah, man. I I do like. Yeah, yeah. It, it has a very exploitation B movie vibe to this as well. Yeah, that's right. There you go. I like Babushka. Lady. Yeah, it is. That's a great character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, this one stars Sylvester McCoy, who's obviously famous for being Doctor Who, um, and the Brown Wizard, I think, in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and a host of other. Oh, it's actually got uh, what's his name, Brian Towns, who was in The Shining. Yeah, he is the guy. You'll know this, <laughs> the famous bear suit. When they see the guy in a bear suit and then the other guy next to him, that's him. So any Shining fans, that guy uh, is also in my movie. So you just have, like, a mixed bag of, like, who's who, but we don't actually really know them that much. Yeah, they're not... They're, they're, of course, they're not A-list actors. Well, there I mean, Sylvester McCoy, like, certainly... 
insanely A-list but, but, horror actors, so... No, of course it's not. Uh, no, but yes, if... Uh, if I, if I could, then, uh, yeah, and that's why I've always said uh, that's why I work in indie film. But uh, it's fun. We do what we do. If you had a chance to break out of indie films, would you? You know what? That, I think, you know, people go, of course you would, man, because you... But everything I hear and uh, I've had a taste in theatre... Where and having a huge budget, and then just seeing the control taken away from you because they're giving you money, and I just hear horror stories all the time. And you hear, you see, it's all over YouTube. You know, you hear directors talking about it, big directors that you thought, no, they're too big. They're gonna, they're gonna call all the shots, and they're not. You know, and uh, I just think, no, I can, I can make a movie that way. You know, I can be doing because it's. You know, without trying to sound like a sort of artistic kind of prick about it and go, no, it's my vision and everything. It, it is. It's something you've wrote, it's something you put down and then people start throwing in, you know, their bit and it starts to dilute, you know. You hear, you know, uh, what Rob Zombie went through on his Halloween or you hear what David Ayer went through with his uh, Suicide Squad and things like that and then you see the movies and you're like, yeah, they're, they're pretty bad, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And by the way, you're on the right podcast to be an artistic prick. Like, go for it. Okay. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, good. There's not many of us out there, so I'm glad that I've got the right place. My co-host <laughs> is usually the artistic prick. He's asleep right now, though. Okay. So right. you'll have to fill in for a little bit. Yeah, I'll fill in. I'm a good If fella. you just want to just start trashing all of our opinions, that's fine. <laughs> so it's a good place to start. Yeah. Amy, do you intend to do any other future projects? Um, I hope so. I mean, I've got a couple things coming up at my little theatre, um, like a pantomime and then um, like celebrations of musicals next year as well, which is like a big musical medley. Um, and they're doing loads of plays next year um, that I might audition for, um, but I'm hoping, you know, maybe in the future that I can move into something bigger. Like, do you want to do, like, short films, indie films, anything like that, or are you just always going to do stage? I've always wanted to do films. It's definitely something that I would do if I had the opportunity to. So you just never, like, jumped for it? You're just kind of like, I'm working towards it, and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, I mean, I live in a very small city in Carlisle, which is kind of like at the top of England near Scotland, and there's not really any opportunity up here, and it's just getting the time away from work and the budget to go down to places like London to be able to do those things. I'm trying to imagine... See, in the States... Um, geography is so different. So let's say, like, from where you are to London, how, how long would it take you to get there? It's probably, depending on traffic, of course, about a five to six hour drive, which <laughs> isn't long when you think about it, but also it is. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember um, I met Frank Turner, musician, and he was saying once that um, my state, Illinois, is basically the same size. <laughs> As England. Oh, my goodness. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It checks out. Yeah, I remember I was in 
somewhere in Texas driving. And That's a whole country. And I was driving, and, and, and it was like five, five, five hours or something. And I said, like, so what state are we in now then? He was like, what are you talking about? We're still here, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, in England, you're in another country. You go, you know, you, you drive for six hours. Um, yeah, like, like she says, she is on the border of Scotland. So, yeah, just probably add another 20 minutes and then you'll be in Scotland. Yeah. If you want to hear a fun Texas trivia thing, did you know that the house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is now a restaurant? Oh, and and has it got has it got lots of customers? Are they all jumping in? There? I have, I'm dying to go. I've asked my husband if we yes, do the road trip. Okay. <laughs> it's a weird road trip to ask to do, but I've been given the go ahead. I'll let you know. Yeah, let, let us know how that that turns out. I, you know, if we don't hear from you, then we kind of know how that turned out. <laughs> like, oh, I was dinner, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but. No, that's 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 mad. But good, you guys must have lots of obviously, you know, because of the rich tapestry of Hollywood and the films and everything made it, you know, must be so many houses, right? I mean, what about the actual house from Halloween, Carpenter's one? That's about right. Is that still standing? Uh, you talking about Haddonfield, Illinois? That uh, house? Yeah, it's yeah. actually in Pasadena. Oh, is it? Oh, oh yeah, okay. I actually had to break it down. My niece had never seen Halloween before she was 18 She right. is 18 years old. And I took her, and I was, like, giving her all the fun facts about it. And, yeah, they couldn't actually find a good place in Illinois to film, so they filmed in Pasadena. And because it was Pasadena, they didn't have that many pumpkins, so the reason why so many pumpkins were smashed is because they were actually gourds. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So they really only had, like, one or two pumpkins, and... I'd say the biggest expense, I think, why I read was for the cameras. A lot of yeah. people forget that Halloween okay. was pre-indie. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, Carpenter's... I think... Because Brian Norell, who was the actor in Dark Star, also was um, John Carpenter's uh, college buddy, you know. Uh, oh, film school buddy. And that's why they made the film together. And, uh, I'm a, I mean, John Carpenter is sort of... Uh, the guy for me uh, as a director because he is a DIY director. It's not so much the horror, sorry to break it to you, it's not so much, and I know he's known for his horror, um, I'm actually more probably on the Big Trouble Little China <laughs> train route. <laughs> That's my sort of where I get on. Um, uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, Escape from New York, they live. Um, but them films, but it was because he was a DIY filmmaker, you know, he was the indie filmmaker, him and Sam Raimi that, they were the guys for me just happened to be horror because obviously most people do horror for an indie uh, film because it is like the only sort of films you can do where like, well it doesn't matter, you know, you don't need Tom Cruise to be getting killed, no one cares it's it's all about the character it's all about, you know, who's killing them and doing them jump scares and that. Until it's like um, 2005, 2006, and they have to start remaking all the films to make it relevant, and they'll throw a famous face exactly. in Exactly. And then they start, yeah, and then they start pulling in. You know, is he still alive? Yeah, bring him in. Okay, put him in. Wheel him in, you know. But you are right. Um, being Illinois, we have, like, a rich tapestry of so much horror. We even have, to, like, your regular horror, too. I mean, I live... 
currently maybe about a couple blocks from where John Wayne Gacy did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fun one. I don't know how into the serial okay. killers you guys are into other countries. America, that's actually our culture. <laughs> that's what we've given to the world. Yeah. Massacre. Yeah, that's, I, I dare say that's part of your school curriculum there. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I know a bit, I do know a bit more because of, uh, again, I, I'm not trying to do the hard sell, but throwing back to the the audio plays we do, we do a Sherlock Holmes one, and for me, I never wanted just to write. I get, you know, maybe I'm lazy. I never wanted to write just a, a made-up uh, crime. I thought it'd be fun for Sherlock to solve real crimes, um, and so the, I, we, it was this Sherlock Holmes factual fiction. So I use a lot of facts, and of course, it's still Sherlock Holmes, so it's fictional character. Uh, and if there wasn't, you know, a conclusion like the Black Dahlia or Jack the Ripper, then I would make some conclusion, a fictional conclusion, that runs alongside the narrative uh, that is uh, accepted in society. You know, uh, whether it's JFK, oh, OK, so it's, you know, society says it's Lee Harvey Oswald, but what about all of this? And then you put Sherlock in there talking about the conspiracies. And it was the same for Jack the Ripper and that. So I did do the sort of Black Dahlia and... Uh, Son of Sam and sort of those big ones, you know? Black Dahlia sounds really fun. I would definitely want to check that out. Yeah, yeah, you should check it out. It's, Some uh, of them are like things uh, that you've heard too much of, like, say, JFK or Son of Sam and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> I just haven't heard or seen anything decent about Black Dahlia except for stuff I've seen in American Horror Story. Yeah. There's a movie, but yeah, I got really yeah. bored. <laughs> yeah, but the movie's not actually about... Like, it's not about that. That's, like, the background Is of it. Is that what was it happening was, there? Because I couldn't finish it. Yeah, it was... It, <laughs> yeah. It, because I watched it only because I was... You know, I go down... When I write those Sherlock Holmes uh, factual fiction ones, I go down a rabbit hole. So then I become a conspiracy theorist for them a couple of months while I'm writing them. Uh, and Black Dolly, there wasn't a lot. So I did watch that film. Was like, what is this? This, you know, it's nothing to do with it. You know, it's like the background. So I was reading a lot of books and and uh, contacting people, and, that, and that's normally where I get a lot of my stuff from. Uh, you know, documentaries, yeah, some, but and of course the hindsight, the hindsight you have, like the Zodiac Killer. Of course, one of his letters was only deciphered about three years ago, so. I can have Sherlock decipher that then and there in the 70s, and that makes him look brilliant, <laughs> you know? Uh, and instead of, like, having 20-odd 20, 20 years later and someone finally cracks it. So you have that hindsight thing, uh, and that's kind of fun, you know, to do. I mean, it is one of those fascinating things right there, though, where the reality is far more hilarious than the fiction. Mm. With, like, it taking 20 yeah. years and everything. Yeah, yeah, um, and also, was it the golden? Was it the golden gate bridge killer or something? They only got his DNA and found out who he was. When was that? Like three, four years ago. Years Do you know ago, about yeah. that one? I'm American. Yeah, we know that's what I mean. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just yeah. yeah. But to to us, it is still, you know, unless you actually write about it. Or no, we don't. It has to be something. Yeah, it has to be something really sort of big for it to travel across the pond. 
Um, I think something like Son of Sam did resonate and Zodiac Killer and all that, but Black Dahlia didn't really. Mm. But it is a fascinating story, that one. See, I just know, like, snippets, and I was really hoping that one movie was going to clarify. I'm not going to finish the movie now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like no, Josh Hartnett yeah, right now. I don't even finish it. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't need to touch that. Actually, the American Horror Story that you were talking about, I watched that, and it did pick out a few bits about the character Elizabeth Short that not a lot of uh, other sort of articles or documentaries uh, picked up on. And so I, I give them credit for that because, like, oh, like, they're exploring that, OK. You know, and, and it's not even really about the Black God. It's, it's just one element, isn't it? She's just one element in the overall story. Mm-hmm. I would like to give a shout-out to Ryan Murphy, who is also from my area. It would seem like all the cool horror shit comes from the Midwest in America. And why is that, do you think? I, I think we're just bored. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I, I grew right. up um, right by Elm Street, um, where Wes Craven was when he was writing. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I, I grew up in Horror Central. Yeah. Well, it's only... You didn't have a chance, and that's why you are where you are now. I really didn't. Um, But, like, how hardcore did you go into, like, studying, say, like... Did you study Wes Craven at all for this, or did you just study, like, the Scream stuff and be like, where is he going to go next? I'm a film... Obviously, you know, I'm into films. Uh, Horror is actually... You know, I don't want to break your heart. It's not my, it's not at the top of my agenda. Like I said, when people say, you know, who's who's the director that's influenced you most or who's the director you like most, I always say John Carpenter. And they go, oh, right, so Halloween and The Thing and, you know, all of this, Prince of Darkness. And I go, yeah, yeah, I like them. Certainly The Thing. I say, I, I do yeah, like the thing them. Is but best, no. Yeah. Yeah. I go, but no, it's more. The, the B sort of element of Escape from New York, Big Rub and Little Giant, and they go, oh, right. <laughs> you know, it kind of disappointed them. But um, so, yeah, of course, uh, you know, being in the film, I watched them like, I don't know, if, I don't think I watched them all. I think I gave up somewhere, you know, when they were coming out, I gave up when one of them was 3D. I think it was Freddy's Dead or something, and it was like, it's 3D, Freddy. And I was like, I don't know if we're going the right way here, lads. Uh, or, or the one where he has a baby, I think that was it. And I, was, I remember seeing a trailer for it going, OK, OK, and uh, tapped out round about there. Um, but he, obviously the first one and the third one, I, I remember liking the third one. Uh, and I remember, you know, I'm talking about when they come out, so I haven't watched them since, but that's how good Wes Craven is because I can the imagery. So I can tell you the third one. I can't tell you what it is. Nine Men Elm Street Three, and then the byline. But I can tell you, oh yeah, the, because there's one part part where Freddie's got all these syringes on his hand because this guy's a junkie and he stabs him up with them. Then there's a part when he's puppeteering this girl with her veins coming out. So that is such powerful imagery. You know, it's lasted from when it, when I saw it back in the day when it came out. Uh, and same with the first one. Um, they stuck. They stuck with me, you know what I'm saying? So um, 
what I'm so I guess what I'm saying is I didn't go back to look at his work. No, um, the screen movies I they'll come on TV and I I do have a soft spot for them, so I will. Now, I have kind of rewatched them, but no, not for this. I didn't need to go back to do that. And I watched Red Eye um, because I liked, um, what's his name, Killing Murphy. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. He's in a Wes Craven film. He, he, uh, and I remember watching that. I think that's probably the last film I watched of. Is that? No, he done a Scream after that, didn't he? Yeah, the last Wes Craven film I saw was Scream 4. Scream 4, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was the height of millennial. So yeah, and of course, millennial film. Yeah, and of course, he, he's you know, his uh, first work, you know, uh, Last House on the Left. There, um, that obviously resonated as well mm, because like that was the find horror like every couple decades. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. You're lucky if you get one, right? Yeah. I mean, and and then, and then he he managed you know to get it at least three times. Um, but yeah, you are lucky if you can get one and go. Well, that's that's what he's contributed. So I guess that's what I'm saying. I didn't need to. Oh, I felt I didn't need to because I knew the power of of uh, his films and what he'd done. Uh, because I, as I say, I'm a film scholar, so naturally the horror is a part of it. Um, it's, it's just as much as Halloween. You know, John Carpenter's Halloween. I don't need to watch it again because I just remember so much of it and. Uh, and enjoy it, you know, by that. Uh, and then, same, you know, I will say I'm probably not as much with the, the uh, what's it, Friday the 13th sort of series. I probably, yeah, a, a lot of that's faded in me. But I, as I say, I'm not a horror fan, so probably I just couldn't get with that character so much, where maybe just the visuals of the other one, you know, it, it clicked more. So what would, if you had to, I know as a creator, it's very hard to actually say what your favorite genre is. Because I'm a writer, so I'm all over the place too. So yeah, where do you lean more, if not to horror? Um, well, okay, so I've got my first film, and then I've got this second film coming out. And both those films have a bit of fantasy in it, a bit of comedy in it, a bit of horror in it. I like... <clears throat> And that's why I say Big Trouble Little China. Where, where do you put that? Where do you put that in its genre? Even, I remember when the poster came out, it said action, martial arts, horror, comedy, fantasy. <laughs> and um, I, that's, that's kind of what I like to do. But no, I, I can go, as I say, you know, uh, I love Hitchcock stuff. And again, people go, all right, so it's going to be psycho or it's going to be... But no, it's more rear window vertigo. Um, I can appreciate, you know, uh, Psycho and and these uh, whatever the birds and films like that. But Hitchcock, Orson Welles, uh, The Masters, Stanley Kubrick, Scorsese, they, you know, as a film director, you, these are your giants, but they're unattainable. Uh, Steven Spielberg, growing up in the 80s, unattainable. Indiana Jones was everything to me. That was the film that made me want to be a filmmaker, Indiana Jones. Oh, but it is unattainable. Where Sam Raimi, I watched that Evil Dead, I watched John Carpenter stuff, and that immediately was like, well, I think I could do that. Not in a bad way, in a good way, where, where it inspired you. You, Felt more you watched it and you thought, yeah, and you just thought, well, I could do that, where you're looking what Spielberg's doing and the budget and 
you know, uh, whoever, Sergio Leone or Francis Ford Coppola, yeah, they're, they're great, you're loving it, and they're the auteurs of cinema, but it's just, yeah, you're like, I can't reach that, you know, unless someone's going to throw you a bone, and, and that's not often the way. There's <laughs> always some connection how you get in there. Um, so so what I'm saying is, I, yeah, as a as a director, I, they're the movies I like. I love Scorsese's work, but I like John Carpenter's work. I like Sam Raimi's work. I like Robert Rodriguez's work, uh, you know, and then I like Orson Welles. So it, it's a whole spectrum. I don't think... But my own films, I tend to like to go somewhere where you can have some fantasy and where you have that. But I kind of ground it. It's not completely out there. It's not, you know, fairies and... And the magicians, and you know, it doesn't go Harry Potter. It it has to be grounded in some kind of reality, and then it's having that kind of absurd situation happen. Uh, but yeah, something where you can play with those genres. And if you watch like my films, you do you go, okay, this is the horror bit, and then the camera work starts to change very much to the horror stuff. And then okay, now we're in the Indiana Jones environment. It's getting a bit adventurous, and you're seeing these. You see in these shots where they pull back to do this big reveal of him on a rope bridge or wherever he's at, you know. Um, so yeah, sorry, my my question, my answer is very loaded and long-winded. Oh no, I, I definitely got my vibe where it's like, okay, uh, future cult classic or Tarantino-esque. Yeah, there, there you go. go, Tarantino. Yeah, throw a bit of that in the mix yeah. as well. <laughs> What kind of genre do you tend to lean towards, Amy? Um, I love a bit of everything. Like, some of my favourite series um, range from Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings to, like, the Marvel films. Um, But some of my favourite, like, singular movies um, include kind of, like, The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption... I like a lot of Stephen King adaptations. It's kind uh, of where I'm at. You're in the right neighborhood. I, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know why why I gestured to that is because a dad would read Stephen King all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's a heavy influence there. He's got every single Stephen King book. So. Yeah, he would actually be the one always telling me you would go down to the video shop. Showing the age there, getting your VHS. <laughs> I would, I would go in there and I would be looking at, oh, what's come out? And it'll be, you know, something like, I don't know, Dark City. That's one of my favourite films, actually. Uh, Dark City. I'll be, oh, what about it? And he'd be going, sure, you don't want to give the stand a go, Scott? And I'd go, isn't that like six hours, two videotapes or some shit? And he'd be like, no, oh, but it's really good. The what the book is. And... <laughs> yeah, it sounds like my dad. <laughs> Do you have any, like, if there was a celebrity's career trajectory that you could follow, what celebrity would that be? Oh, that's such a difficult question. I know, I had to Um, throw it at one of you. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, I really look up to um, Tilda Swinton, actually. Um, who played the White Witch in Narnia and the Ancient One in Doctor Strange, Um, simply because 
my grandma knew her so like I feel like a bit of like a connection to her and that's kind of who I look up to and who I would like to see myself as in the future that'd be really cool no I I, I could imagine that I can imagine you making that like leap the way she did yeah mm-hmm. so we know for Scott your next movie comes out when um well, we're going to do the film festival route, so it probably won't be until the middle of next year, because most of the film festivals are kind of heavy, heavy-ended at the beginning of the year. So release won't be till uh, yeah, probably middle, middle of next year. Okay. And obviously, the main thing we are here for is Ghostface podcast, which comes out. Comes out on Halloween. Um, it'll be. Uh, yeah, available on all the usual platforms. I don't know if I'm allowed to say them oh, or go what. For it. what. Shout them all out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the usual ones Spotify, um, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts. Uh, yeah, all of those. And of course on YouTube as well. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's only a 10 minute piece. So I think it's, you know, short and sweet. You know, uh, and it's one of those things it's kind of cool to listen to if you are in the car driving or, and, and certainly to get in that Halloween sort of vibe. On the way to work, during lunch, something like that, because it's only 10 minutes, easy to slot in. Um, you know, nothing where you have to, like, pick it up again after and then forget where you was. Um, so, yeah, and, and hopefully people enjoy it, man, and, uh, and it brings a smile to their face for those with a nostalgia of Scream as well is there any social media or website anything that people can like connect with you on so they can keep up with your new projects and whenever that comes out as well yeah um we obviously uh on instagram is at pop-up underscore theater uh and our main uh source is youtube which is pop-up theater youtube uh you'll find uh some of our live plays there you'll find all our audio plays um Sometimes we do casting uh, through um, our um, social media channels as well for movies or for um, theatre gigs and, and in, indeed like this, audio plays as well. How about you? So, yeah, that's, that's where you can follow us. <laughs> how about you, Amy? How do we follow you so we can see how your career is going? Um, I've just got my Instagram at the moment, which is at amy.southwood. Amy's spelt funny, though, so it's A-I-M-E-E. Um, that and that's where funny, I put, yeah. <laughs> I know it's not the usual way though so everyone always spells it A-M-Y but um, mine spell A-I-M-E-E dot Southwood um, and that's just my little acting Instagram that I've been kind of building since university mm-hmm. and obviously you, you share updates there on whatever you're working on and cool pictures whatever yeah yeah no I was going to say Twitter but you know. I do have Twitter, but it's like a personal one, so it's just a bunch of junk that I retweet, so... <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> but that's... What is, what is my Twitter? It's like Amy underscore Southwood, and it's literally just a bunch of rubbish, so... <laughs> I'll go check it out. That sounds like something... I want to say, check out the rubbish. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, everybody, when you're now... Listening to Ghostface Podcast, check out Amy's Rubbish. <laughs> there it is. All right. That sounds like a story there. I don't say that yep. should be in this play. 
definitely. Rubbish. <laughs> okay. Can I ask you a question, uh-huh, Mary? Yeah. What's um? What's your favorite scary movie? The one that made me want to do this podcast episode. 